Um, we are, it's very strange saying that. Um, we're going to stand together and we're going to read the words of the Apostles' Creed together. Um, but today, just to give you a little bit of a, a kind of path where this is going, we are looking at the Holy Spirit today. And so in my mind, my dad is, is just, I know how much my parents are passionate about the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm very in faith today that as he speaks to you, that God is going to speak through him. Amen. Um, so let's just read the Apostles' Creed together and then I'll hand over to him. So should we stand up again? Sorry, it's a bit of up and down in this. It's good to declare stuff together. Are you ready for this? Are some of you starting to remember it now? No, you're getting there. Good. Okay, cool. Right, we're going to start off. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Well, do take your seats. Well, I love doing this stuff. Um, I could uh, recite that when I was a 13, 14-year-old. I was brought up in the Anglican Church, so we, we knew our creeds there. And I think it's a really good thing that we maintain sound doctrine by, by doing this. I became a Christian when I was 11. There's a, there a couple in our church did a family service, and uh, that was a really lively bit at, at that time. And uh, and I saw this couple, they, they, they were just different. That they, they had Jesus inside of them. And uh, three or four years later, I, um, over a period of time, I would go and visit them. And uh, it was one particular day. Um, I turned around a corner to, to, to cross a dual carriageway. They lived on the other side of this dual carriageway, a busy dual carriageway um, between Leicester and Coventry. And as I turned the corner, this scene appeared right before me there was a there'd been an accident and there was somebody lying in the middle of the road and I saw an ambulance just I think it just happened to be there just pulling up and as I as I walked up I, I saw this teenager sprawled out in the road and I saw Alan the guy I was going to visit he was kneeled knelt there and he had his hands on this lad's knee it was all mangled, and he was praying in a language I never heard before. And it was, um, I was just amazed and confused by this. But this lad got up and he, he walked to the ambulance because they were determined to get him to the ambulance. And I was just staggered by this. And I'm looking back on, on my life. This is one of the big moments of my life because I was challenged, excited, envisioned. Uh, and uh, I, I went, I crossed over the road and had some time with this family. I said, what has happened to you two? And they said, we've just been baptised in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, I want, whatever you've got, I want. Yeah? 
I really do want this. And I've got to say, it, it started a process of changing in, in my life. That, um, I got so hungry and thirsty for more of God. I want, I, I, because I, while I'd been a, a young Christian, I was scared to go to the Christian union at school because I was too embarrassed, you know? It might have been there's a lot of girls there, and I was too embarrassed to be with a lot of girls. But I, I was very nervous about telling people about Jesus. I love Jesus. He, 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 I know he'd forgiven me for my sins, but what I saw that day, it set me on a journey that led me here. And so I was desperate to... I don't know how desperate you have ever got for God, but I was, de- I was really desperate I'm going to embarrass myself now by saying I, was, I prayed to the Holy Spirit. Well, I prayed to Jesus at that time that he would give me the Holy Spirit for a whole year every night. I would lie in bed with my mouth open waiting for this gift of tongues to come. I got so desperate, so, so desperate because I'd seen the difference the Holy Spirit filling a person can make. And... Um, you want to know when it happened, don't you? Well, um, I was prayed for, and a prophetic word came to this person, um, through this person to me, and the person said, stop asking and start receiving. And on junction 19 of the M1, by side of the junction 19, not on it, um, by a stile near Lutterworth, I was speaking in tongues and transformed absolutely transformed by his power. You see, the Holy Spirit got me. <laughs> he did, and he filled me. And as I grew up, I grew up in the, 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 this, this local church in a village, and I felt my trinity was God the, Ho- God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. So for me... I went on a journey of discovery that the Holy Spirit is a real person. He's God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God in flesh. Holy Spirit is God in power. A personality. Three persons, as the theologians say, one essence, three persons. God, three in one. And as I read the New Testament, I I realized that he speaks. He comforts. He encourages. Um... When I was 16, my mum my had, my had um, been fighting cancer for a number of years, stomach cancer. But when I was 16, I, she died, and uh, tragic, because it missed out on so much. She missed out on so much. She was five and a half stone when she died, yeah? And I am so glad I'd been introduced to God the Holy Spirit, the comforter, because... I do not know how I would have handled it without his amazing comfort in my life. It didn't take away the pain. It didn't take away the grief. But it, he helped me, the Holy Spirit himself. And Jesus said when he comes, he will, he's a comforter. That's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I mean, you need to know, I love Jesus. And the Holy Spirit loves projecting Jesus, Yeah. But I love the Holy Spirit because he's God. He's not a third-rate part of the Trinity. He's God, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say this. The cults 
They do not believe the Holy Spirit is a person. So you've heard of the Jehovah's Witnesses, or they're called JW now, so it's less offensive. In their Watchtower publication, one said this, it's not a, Holy Spirit is not a person, but is a powerful force that God causes to emanate from himself to accomplish his holy will. It sounds very spiritual, and it's a lot of rubbish. Okay, he is a, he's, a, he's a person. Parley Pratt, no comment, one of Mormonism's original apostles, quote-unquote, once described the Holy Spirit as a force like magnetism or electricity. He further spoke of the Spirit as a divine fluid and impersonal energy. It sounds wonderful. You just plug in and there's power. But it's a lot of rubbish. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. So how can a cult who do not believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, the Spirit of truth, lead them into truth? They're in a dead end. That's it's one of the wonderful things about the Holy Spirit. We never stop learning about Jesus. We never stop learning about the Father because the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals truth to us. So this is really good news for us. And I, I, what, I, what I love... Um, about the Holy Spirit is that um, he is a person. He speaks to us. He, he directs us. I, I, I really like that story in Acts of the Apostles where Philip, one of the evangelists, the Holy Spirit, it says, spoke to him. Not a tree, not a divine thing. It was the person. And he says, you go up and run along. He saw this chariot and the Holy Spirit said, to Philip, go up and run alongside. I mean, that's a bit of a thing to say. Is it so that, okay, he learned to obey the Spirit, so he was running along. Okay, Lord, what do I do next? Well, he says, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to just be fit for you. And he looked up, and there was this Ethiopian official in the chariot, an important official going back to Ethiopia. And this official said, Look, I'm reading from the book of Isaiah, I haven't got a clue what I'm reading. Do you know what this is about? I mean, what a wonderful opportunity. And it all started because Philip had learned to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he he gets saved in a chariot. Then he said, oh, there's water here. Can I get baptized? You know, I mean, it's just amazing how the kingdom can break in because the Holy Spirit speaks and we learn to listen to his voice and that's a bit of a journey that's a bit of a journey but well worth it you see the Holy Spirit is a person he can be grieved we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit you can't grieve a tree but you can grieve the Holy Spirit and it's God's will that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit can be worshipped. The Holy Spirit, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. I used to have a real problem about praying to the Holy Spirit. I thought it was a bit sneaky, you know, getting the back of Jesus, you know. To, that's just a, it's weird what you get. But, and I had, to, I had to learn that it, Jesus doesn't mind if I pray to the Holy Spirit. He kind of likes it. And the Father is absolutely delighted because it's one God. One God. You've got to get this. A believer is baptised into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. R.T. Kendall, I do like R.T. Kendall, if you've heard of him. He's done a, uh, written a great book called The Holy Fire. 
And he said about the Holy Spirit, he said, the Holy Spirit won't adjust to you. You have to adjust to the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a bit of a journey. That's a bit of a journey. You see, the Holy Spirit is so powerful. He's all-powerful. And I, I love how he works within the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is so self-effacing. He wants to promote the Son, doesn't he? If you read the New Testament, and the, the Son wants to promote the Father. There's a beautiful harmony in how the Holy Trinity works. But the Holy Spirit doesn't want to draw attention to himself, Okay? He doesn't stand aloof from the Father or the Son. He doesn't position himself independently from the rest of the community of the Trinity, but he's fully involved working together with the Father and the Son in such unity and purpose. It's such a beautiful illustration of how teams should work together. When the Holy Spirit is filling us, that's what can happen. I'm going to speak about it a little bit more later on. But when the, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, Peter stood up and it said, and with the eleven, they all stood with him. There was, when the Spirit came, there was a new unity in the leadership of that embryonic church. There wasn't any jockeying or position or I'm more important than him. No, there's a unity of the Spirit comes and it was immediate. As soon as the Spirit come, when Peter stood up, he's the one that God had called. All the, all the others stood up with him. What, what unity, what power. Now, why did, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Because if you want to go to get some good theology, go to what Jesus said, because he, <laughs> he knows better than anybody else. Well, if, we've, if you've got a Bible with you, could you turn to John chapter 16? I would like to read it to you. Jesus, this is um, the night before Jesus was um, crucified. He was with his disciples in Ada room. And he said this, but now... I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will come and I will send him to you. If I... If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is much more I want to tell you, but you, you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. 
He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So three things in particular that Jesus emphasized here. Number one, that when the, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin. And do we need convicting of sin? Not just the world, we need this too. We, it, because we're in relationship. Yeah, sin spoils, sin destroys, sin warps, sin breaks up relationships. So the Holy Spirit is always good because God is always good. But I do get concerned when people talk about knowing Jesus, but they, and they've come to know Jesus, but there's never been any seem, felt awareness of, oh, I need forgiveness. I, I, you know, there's a holy God we're talking about now. That where there's a, and, and you wonder where people can kind of do stuff, and there's no sense of guilt or conscience. The Bible talks about having a seared conscience, but the Holy Spirit wants to, to, to conf confront the sin in people so that they begin to look to Jesus, the saviour, for a solution to their sickness of their soul. And there is a dangerous teaching during the rounds at the moment, so just be aware of it, and it's this. As part of it, it sounds good, that while the blood of Jesus Christ covers us all sin, once we become Christians, so far so good, but now the unthinkable. Once saved, we don't need to confess sin if we sin, no need to confess, no need to repent. That is not helpful, it's not good, it's not right. Because we're called into a relationship. You know, Sue and I have been married for 45 years and we're loving every moment of it. Right? If I don't work this principle, is when I have done wrong, that I, I don't go to Sue. If I were to say, oh, well, Sue, you know, I know you love me because we've committed, that's it. That will spoil the relationship. You, you, do the, you do the forgiveness thing on a daily basis because we, we want to keep that harmony. Yeah? The Apostle John, in his first letter um, to the churches, he wrote this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Isn't it wonderful that God is just by forgiving us our sins because he's of his precious son. And he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, the point of this is that John is writing a letter to the churches. Yeah, okay. So, I think there is the concern in that is that people think if you don't want to get into a sin consciousness, and I would agree with that. I'm, I'm so grateful to Terry Virgo, how he, 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 he keeps saying, don't get into a, a sin consciousness. Be in a grace consciousness, but nevertheless we need to realise that if we sin, it will damage us. If we, if we continue in sin, it damages us. So the Holy Spirit, in his mercy and his grace, he wants to lead us into all truth, and so he'll keep pressing away. He shouldn't be doing that. Yeah? He shouldn't be watching that. He shouldn't be saying that sort of thing. He shouldn't be so harsh in that way, because he wants to, he wants to make us like Jesus. So it's a precious thing when the Holy Spirit convicts us because he has, he has a purpose for us. There's more, there's, it's almost Holy Spirit, could, you could almost hear the Holy Spirit saying, you were not born for that, you were reborn for this. And you picture him, picturing Jesus. Secondly, 
he speaks about righteousness. He will convict the world of God's righteousness. Now, Martin Luther, um, that German monk, he loved good beer, did Martin Luther, but he came to hate the Apostle Paul's phrase in Romans 1, verse 17, that said, the righteousness of God is revealed. He just, he just came to hate it because it was like a, a sword of Damocles over his head. And he, 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 just, he had to keep pressing through, pressing through, searching for God. And in Romans chapter 3.21, it said, the free, free gift of righteousness is given by God through faith in Jesus. And, and Martin Luther had a revelation of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He revealed to him what that really meant. You see, he was scared of the righteousness of God, but God was working on his life. And then he had this revelation, oh, this righteousness of God is a free gift. It's a free gift from heaven that God will gift to you and I as we believe in Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, that he will gift to you a, a right standing with him. That's what happens when you become a Christian. So you can't try any harder. <laughs> You're accepted. And I found that quite difficult as a young Anglican. And some of our Catholic friends will find that even harder to understand that this righteousness is a free gift from God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals to us. If you're struggling with this, ask the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation on what just it is that he's given you, in the God, has, for God the Father has given you, as a free gift of right standing with him. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and sound, right, uh, sound mind. When Luther had this revelation, he said, it's like being in paradise at the very gates of heaven. It transformed him. Transformed him. Anyway, back to the upper room. I think the, the, the 12 disciples were... A, really suspicious of his Holy Spirit because they've been with Jesus for three years. Jesus said, now I'm clearing off, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. But, no, Jesus, we want, we're very happy with you. Right? We're, we, we, we're comfortable with you, but the Holy Spirit, we don't know what this will mean. There's a bit of suspicion there, I guess. I'm coming from the human. I haven't got a clue what that would be. And I've seen that happen in my life and other people's lives as, as, a, as a, an irrational fear of opening up to the Holy Spirit because it's a bit uncertain. You know, you might get goosebumps on your goosebumps. You might be acting all strangely. just want to reassure you on this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit is kind and generous. But the Holy Spirit is powerful. And I could do with a bit more power. I, I, I suspect some of you can. I suspect some of you are quite hungry for more of the power, and that might not be a bad thing. Because Jesus doesn't want to baptize you by spirit into niceness. He wants to baptize you into power to make a difference to a world that's pretty mediocre. Political rightness and everything else. 
Jesus wants to set his church on fire. Where you live, where you work, where you do life, you really can make the difference, but it, you won't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples, you've got to wait here until you are clothed with power from an eye. There's a Greek, my one few Greek words I know, dunamis, where you get the word dynamite, right? So you've got to wait for the dynamite. But Jesus, we've been with you for three years. We've seen you do loads of stuff. We've been used by you in the past. No, enthusiasm is enough. You need to wait here until the Spirit comes. And at Pentecost, this festival of feasts in the Jewish traditions, they, were, they gathered, 120 of them, in this upper room, still waiting. Still waiting. You see, I don't think we like to wait. To carve out time to wait. I'm now beginning to get a bit fed up with all the Netflix stuff. I've looked at most of it that, you know, it's okay. And um, to wait on him. And the spirit came. <laughs> Tongues of fire on the heads. There was it was glory, the power, the flames, the, the confidence, the courage. And the unity. And people said, wow, what must we do to be saved? There was something there beyond just Peter's preach and words. They saw a dynamic change in their lives. And I know people are looking at us. And they're seeing where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You will ask, you'll get people looking at you and responding to you differently. Um, I can't go into details, but we're having a some very lovely reactions from our neighbours at the moment. Because people feel the life of God in you. People, grown men, feel the life of God and want to get close and just to get a bit nearer to Jesus. They don't even realise half the time that it's Jesus feeling us. You will receive power. You see, this is really the most important message. We were born again. For those of you that know Jesus, let me just clarify. We know Jesus by realising we can't get to heaven by doing, try to be good. Okay? So you get to that point where you say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. And you say, I got on my own, by my side of my bed, I remember it distinctly, I knelt down and I sobbed my socks off, realising that I needed Jesus. Oh, but you're a good little, that's what my parents, but you're a good boy. I said, I thought, you do not know what I've been up to. <laughs> you, do, you do not want to know. I, said, I still got a scar on my head where I fell into a bucket head first when I shouldn't have been doing stuff. Um, it's just, people think we're so nice, but we need a saviour. And so I gave my life to Jesus, and that's that first wonderful part. Then I want to get baptised in water because I wanted to bury the old, that old part of me. You know, that's what the Bible says. And, but then the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I was born for this. And when you're born again, you created new, and you, you, you created new to be a, uh, a receptacle of his power, his presence, and his person. So if you've been born again, it's almost like staying half empty. You know, you were born. For, you were born for this church. Every one of you. 
And if you, if you need the Holy Spirit, you, need to, you ask him. You ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will cause you to do outrageous things. This building won't be here without the Holy Spirit prodding and asking us to do outrageous things. Outrageous. And this is just the beginning. And they started speaking in other languages. And um, as the Spirit gave them utterance, this supernatural language which I heard my... Um, friends speak about how many of you have been filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues and are not using the gift that God's given you? Is it time to dust it off? Church, we, we need to be filled with him. But we fill our own lives with stuff. I've just finished with a story. I love fishing. And I went to, dead keen to go to the reservoir one early morning to fish for trout. And my Vauxhall Viva. And I was tanking along and I realised we were nearly out of fuel. So I turned over into the petrol station and I filled up and I go to, the, to pay. And he said, oh, Vauxhall Viva diesel. Didn't know Vauxhall Vivas could be diesel. I went, oh no, oh no. You mean I filled up with diesel? He said, yes, you have. And I said, please help me. What must I do? <laughs> Sounds like Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> and he said, you've got to get that emptied and you've got to be refilled. What are you filling your life with that you're not meant to fill your life with? I think we've got to be, some of us need to be emptied and be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We believe in you. Please come amongst us now. Amen.